kind of a positive show today, wouldn't you say, Stu? I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened here. Uh, but Huge mistake. <laughs> Huge, Huge mistake. mistake. Well, it wasn't all positive. The first hour in the podcast, we talk a little bit about the insanity that I like to call President Biden. Um, eh, that was kind of an interesting thing. His, uh, his new taxes, his new streamlined budget for 2023. It is sexy. This babe's got to go now. Mm. Uh, and uh, then we talk to you a little bit about how to change things. Uh, we have faithwins.us on with us. Talk about something you've never heard before. What really happened in Virginia? How did that happen? That happened because of the churches. Then um, we have Moms for Liberty. The clarion call, get involved in your schools because you don't know, you have no idea what's happening there. They will help you find out what's uh, what's happening. We also... Shannon Bream was on with us as well uh, about her new book. Uh, fascinating uh, topic. And, and the, uh, some real lessons for today as yeah, well. Yeah, and uh, that sports guy. Uh, Jason Whitlock. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. sports that, guy. No, and just because he's on the blaze. I don't hey, think... I had him on, okay? I was the one who said we have him on. And Stu's like, no, what are you talking about? Why yeah. would we have sports? Mm-hmm. It's icky. Yeah, and I I'm like, there's a, segments all the time. There's a yeah. big, big story breaking in sports. Mm-hmm. And if I could remember what it was right now, I'd tell you about it. But good thing you're already locked in to hear all about it here on today's podcast. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Did you see the president's press conference yesterday? Mm. Oh, Mm. it was. Mm. Here he is um, (laughs) talking about what a complex situation Russia is. Cut one, please. Well, what was the second part? (laughs) The diplomacy of this moment. Mm. No, I don't think it does. You know, uh, the. uh, Mm the fact is that we're in a situation where uh, okay. um, yeah. what yeah. complicates the situation at oh. the moment is the, mm-hmm. uh, the escalatory okay. efforts of Putin what? to uh, continue to engage in carnage, the kind of behavior that, uh, mm-hmm. that makes the whole world say, my God, what is this man doing? Yeah. That's mm. what complicates things a great That's deal. What? And, uh, what? Um, but I, I don't think it complicates it at all. Okay. All Wait, right. So, so it complicates, complicates it, but it but doesn't, doesn't complicate really it. complicate it at mm. all. Yeah. His actions don't complicate things at all. Not no. at all. Mm. I wouldn't be able to stop saying that. Uh, here he is. Uh, cut three. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back? If some of these big start. things that you <laughs> say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? <laughs> sound like just in the no last couple days. Uh, it sounded like he told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like he said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like mm-hmm. you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. So yes, when they you did. said no, they you're all going occurred. to see when you're there, you were not intending. I to was see referring US. to with meeting with and talking with. The uh, Ukrainian troops are in Poland. And when you said mm. a chemical weapon used no. by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? you got to be silly. 
in kind has a world meaning. wants to know the world wants to know a lot of things i'm not telling them what the response would be then then russia knows the response. you did tell them what the response would be yeah. you said in, in kind. kind that's what the, that's what it means it's not just a, a, a collection of words they mean things that's what words do <laughs> I, what? no words are violent and i want to know where in poland are we seeing women, women and children standing up to tanks? Where is that happening in Poland? No, he's dead. He was referring to here. Let me play. Uh, let, please play cut two, please. I was talking to the troops. We we're talking about helping train the troops in, uh-huh. that are the, the Ukrainian uh-huh. troops that are in Poland. Okay, got mm, it. Right. So, oh, so, right. He was training the Ukrainian troops was he talking to that Ukraine? were in mm-hmm. Poland, right, no. which is not something anyone knew until this press conference. Another <laughs> massive <laughs> gaffe. Well, they're walking it back. Mm-hmm. They're walking it back. No, well, they're, they're not walking it back. <laughs> they're not? They walk it back. He says something. Yeah. The media spends multiple days going through a cycle with the press office where they tell the mm-hmm. media, mm-hmm. hey, we got to walk this back. Mm-hmm. Here's what we need to come out. They dutifully go along with it. And then when they ask the president about it, he says, I'm not walking anything back. Right. This, whenever this happened, this stuff happened with Trump. They complained about it constantly and said it was the most unprofessional thing you could possibly imagine. And it happens every day with Biden and no one cares. And it's kind of big things. Here he is. Cut four. Do you believe what you said that Putin can't remain in power? Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Did Mm. your words complicate matters? Well, yes. Three different questions. I'll answer them all. Number one, I'm not walking anything back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact yeah. of the matter is, I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the it's actions the of this man. Works. Just, just brutality of it. Half the children yeah, in Ukraine. I just come from being with those families. Ah. And uh, and so, uh, but I want to make it clear: I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies okay. for it. Not, that's not okay as president. My, my personal feeling. Oh, okay. So it's just his personal feeling. Wait, when has that become an okay thing to do? When you're uh, president well, of the United States, you now, don't just blurt out your personal feelings. Almost all of your job is to not say your personal feelings and instead articulate policy change. Well, now, what do you mean almost all your job? That is your like your responsibility. <laughs> and when you're making a speech on foreign soil mm-hmm. about a foreign conflict that you keep saying you're more involved in than our official policy. Right. And then you make statements about uh, what could be. I mean, certainly everyone in the world remembers previous wars where we've had regime change as our goal. You come out here and you say Libya. you can't they cannot stay in power. Egypt. Hmm. Iraq. Yeah. There's a lot of examples. <laughs> Afghanistan. Yeah. Other than that. Other, other than, than that. that like, we have to go way back. Like your the job of the president would be a lot easier if you could just yeah. blurt out whatever you wanted, sure. whatever you wanted with no consequences. Sure. You know who you know who does hear you? Uh, when you say things like that, the guy that has 6,000 no, nuclear weapons no, hears you. No, 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 no. Listen, let's get some perspective from from Don Lemon, who's strangely oh, still on the air. Listen to this. The president is saying exactly what most of the world feels about Vladimir Putin. So what? Now, he did not Shh. in that speech say Quiet. that Vladimir Quiet. Putin should be removed or we're going to take him out of power. He said this man should not remain in power. What person in their right mind thinks that someone who bombs innocent people, 
children, a country that is un mm. an unprovoked war, right. should remain in power. Right. Now, this is not if how he the president is. the other does. side of that, so I think that this, we should do something to take him out of office. That would be a different thing. General Hurt Hurtling on our air that mm -hmm. evening mm -hmm. said the same mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Quite honestly, I think this this is a media manufactured story. See, okay. And the media, so it's stop. In the me this is the media just saying this is a big deal that Russia isn't taking that in this way. They're just expressing their feelings. Uh, let me give you this from the Kremlin. Uh, retaliatory visa measures are being developed in Russia for citizens from unfriendly nations, according to Sergei Lavrov, who said on March 28th, as a, another top Kremlin official said, U.S. President Joe Biden's recent comments are cause for concern. During his public comments, Lavrov did uh, did not provide details about the countries that would be targeted Although he did single out the United States and its allies. Uh, additionally, a draft, uh, a draft presidential decree is currently being developed on retaliatory visa measures in connection with the unfriendly actions of a number of foreign states. Um, this act will introduce a number of restrictions on entry to the territory of Russia. Some, member, uh, some measures are being developed to respond to the unfriendly actions by the United States and its uh, satellites. It comes as the Kremlin issued more statements following Biden's speech last week in Poland, where he said this man cannot stay in power. These statements are certainly causing us grave concern, said the Kremlin spokesperson. We continue to closely monitor the statements of the U.S. president. We carefully note them and will continue to do so. Now, I'm not sure if anybody at CNN or anyone in the White House know, but when you talk to your intelligence uh, people, they will come in with a briefing and you're going up against war or you're going into a meeting and you'll have all of the experts on, let's say, that president that you don't know for sure. They're experts because they've listened to every word. They have looked at every action and they say, this is what he's thinking. This is what he may mean. This is what you have to worry about. This is who the guy is. So when the president of the United States speaks here, there's a group of people all around the world that are not on our side that look and evaluate everything he's saying. So when, you know, Putin goes, so is this like old lady actually threatening me? Mr. President, we don't know for sure, but he was talking about possibly the troops going into Ukraine, we're not sure what that meant. He's now talking about what could be perceived as regime change. He also admitted that they were training Ukrainian troops. Yeah, I would say that he's on a different wavelength. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean, like, we think of the things that Vladimir Putin has said that we keep quoting. Like, you know, the, the, the war will be with ones and zeros. Right. That's not an yeah. official statement no. of policy, but we take it damn seriously. And when he said when we to re reconstitute the Soviet Union, it was the it was the, the fall was the greatest uh, tragedy. His, tragedy of history in the past century. We take that seriously and look at that as his motivation. Look They're doing the same thing over there with every one of these gaffes. This guy is going to gaff us into World War Three. 
He is literally in the middle but of I, gaffing us into getting nuked. I really don't think that these are gaffes. I well, really think. No, no, no. Listen, yeah. what he just said, what he just said. No, that was my personal feeling. Okay, well, personal feelings become policies. Yeah, when you are the commander in, in chief. chief of the military, yes. Right. So when he says things like, I mean, it's only reasonable. This may not be what he's doing, but it is only reasonable if you are assessing someone. You look at what they say, look at what they do. Look at the sanctions that we've just put on. They are unlike any other sanctions ever. Ever. Then he says, we're in a long war. People should brace for years of war. Okay. What does that mean? Then he says all of these things out loud. I these were I was just thinking, no, you read it wrong. Well, there's going to be a lot of people that read it long uh, wrong, and they might have nuclear weapons. Now, can you imagine if, if we had Look at this. Vladimir Putin comes out and says, hey, you know what? What? Look, this this Joe Biden guy cannot stay in power. Can you imagine what a serious moment that would be? be we found like four Facebook ads that say they wanted to screw with our elections. And it was an international incident that lasted no. multiple years in an impeachment. Exactly right. And look at what Putin said in response to this speech. Putin came out yesterday and started talking about how the United States is trying to erase all history and culture, Russian culture, from the West. Okay, well, that, can you imagine, reverse this situation, imagine if that was happening to us, and our president said, they're trying to erase us from history, all of our accomplishments, all of our cultural uh you know, we're getting rid of Gershwin. We're getting rid of, you know, Uncle Tom's cabin. We're getting rid of all of American culture. I don't know. I would think the people would rally around that president who said, we got to fight this because they're erasing us. Of course we would. That's what we just handed him. Oh, and by the way, they're also trying to take me out. There's a coup against me. I'm not worried about that. I'm just staying focused on what we have to do because I'm here for the America that has changed the world. You think you think the people are going to support which one? Which one? Tell me which one. They're going to support the president against the enemy that is saying crap like we're saying. And I'm telling you, the president is has feelings and his feelings he doesn't understand the difference between his inside voice and his outside voice but your inside voice is really important if you're president but if you express that on your outside voice it's very logical to assume that your inside voice is what you're telling others inside of secret rooms with secret meetings hey did you hear that um Roman Abramovich, uh, what was his name? Abramovich, the guy who owns the Chelsea, Chelsea Club. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, one of the guys who's you know negotiating for peace, and might have been poisoned. <laughs> might have been poisoned. Uh, we don't know if this is true. This is Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Everybody's reporting this. I, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, they couldn't get a sample from him fast enough, so they can't 
find out if he really was poisoned. Uh, but he attended the peace talks in Turkey. Um, he he was in the peace talks. He came out. He and the guy on his staff were very, very sick there. I think their hands peeled um, their parts of their faces peeled. It was not not good. Not good. Um, this, this, there were people reporting this to the same people that have reported other poisonings as well. And they seem to believe that this was not an attempt to kill them, but an attempt to scare them. Yeah, it, 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 he's, yeah. he is an oligarch that is no longer in Russia and he has been outspoken um, against the war. And he's trying to be a go between with Russia and Ukraine. And the idea is I can get you anywhere, anywhere. Be careful on what you're doing. Uh, I would I would think that would you know send a very strong message uh, there because he's done it before. But is this true? I don't know. I don't know because I don't know. I, I I'm not convinced that uh, that our press is telling us the truth. I mean, how long did it take them to talk about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden? And are they really even telling you the truth now? Are they even making this about how the president is compromised? Or is this just about his drug use and his sex? Which which is it? I, I don't know if you can trust our mainstream media at all on this. I'd like to, but I'd be an idiot to do it. So I don't know what the truth is on this. But I do know the truth. On the president's new budget. We'll go over that in just um, a second. Stand by. Also, there is a podcast that I really want you to hear. It's not a Blaze podcast. It's honestly by Barry Weiss. She has David Sachs on. And if you have any questions about the Great Reset, you have any questions about cancel culture, you have any questions at all of how your finances are going to be controlled, David Sachs is is a high tech guy. I mean, he helped start all this stuff and he realized we've created a monster. He explains how the cancel culture and what is coming with your finances and everything else. It's all the details of the great reset without calling it the great reset. It's Barry Weiss. Honestly, this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget rate us on iTunes. Shannon, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. You bet. How are things? They're good. I mean, I think if you you have to pull out and take the eternal perspective and it gives you the chance <laughs> to say things are good. Otherwise, the world's a pretty tricky place right, right. now. Right. I mean, I was just saying to Stu, I said, you were so happy and so full of sunshine, yet you're the, you're the, the uh, top legal analyst for Fox. <laughs> and just looking at what's happening to our laws here in America. I mean, I, I ask too, is it that is it Jesus that stops her from hanging herself every day? I mean, it's absolutely good. it is, absolutely. isn't it? There's no question about right. that. If you have an eternal perspective, it does truly make a difference. I feel sorry for people who don't have that uh, because I don't know how I you'd agree. make it. I agree. When you look around at the world as uh, 
devastating as the images are out of Ukraine. And there's something like that going on around the world. We know all of the time, 365 days a year. If you didn't have a place to make sense of it and say, thank God I'm not in charge and there is uh, a, a much higher being who uh, we know good will triumph over evil yeah. eventually, um, you got to find hope in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, your book, you have a new book that comes out today, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. Um, and I, I want to start here. Elon Musk just came out with his three things that are going to destroy us all. And shockingly, global warming is not at the top of his list, um, which oh. I thought was his big thing. His number one uh, threat to humanity is the collapse of civilization because we're not having children. Mm. And I, I, yeah. I talk to people, especially young people all the time that are saying, I can't bring a child into this world. I can't. Are you kidding me? That's what's going to renew us. That's what's going to save us or our children. Yeah, and you think about that has been a question over time, as long as it has existed. I mean, the first mother and daughter I talk about in the new book, Jochebed and Miriam, I mean, the mother and the sister of Moses. And you have to sometimes, if you're familiar with the story, you got to remind yourself that these women were Hebrew slaves. I mean, they were oppressed. They had no choice. Uh, about their lives or anything else they did. Pharaoh was oppressing them night and day. And yet, in the middle of that, the Hebrew people were having families. They were continuing mm-hmm. on with that hopeful idea, uh, which scared Pharaoh so much because the Hebrews were multiplying. God was blessing them, and they grew in number that really scared Pharaoh. But look, that their strategy worked. I mean, they continued to believe in the hope of family and of children. And ultimately, you know, through all of the things that happened with Moses and God's divine intervention, led them out of that oppression. I mean, I got to tell you, it is truly faith when you when you put your baby in basically a picnic basket and put it in a river full of crocodiles thinking that's a better thing. I trust God more than I trust everything else that could happen. (laughs) Exactly. And I love the picture of the fact that all of the male babies that were born to the Hebrew women at that time were to be thrown in the Nile, just left to drown and be killed there. And it was ultimately the Nile where Jochebed made that little picnic basket and put Moses in that very same river and where he was redeemed and found life when Pharaoh's daughter heard him crying and had mercy on him and said, I want to raise him. And luckily, little Miriam, his sister, was sitting there and jumped out of the bushes and said, oh, by the way, if you need a Hebrew woman to nurse him, I know just the person. So, I mean, God is always working through circumstances, even in the darkest of times. I truly believe that. Do you think that there are things that are happening now that um, God's people should be resisting? I always do, because, listen, there's chaos. There is destruction of innocent lives. Um, You know, I'm disgusted by Putin quoting Bible verses as if that can somehow justify his murderous rampage. Um, I think we have to call out truth and, and, and know that God is never behind chaos and destruction and the destruction of innocence, especially. And I think there are places all through our world that we can look and see that and um, where we have to remember what he is about, which is light and truth and redemption and turning away from evil. And I think we can confront that in big and small ways every day. Uh, Shannon, one of the stories I love is the Esther story. Um, mm-hmm. because it seems like throughout, like when you learn lessons like this from b- biblical history, it seems like when there's someone who's beautiful and glamorous, they are sort of the villains in these stories. Esther's the story kind of of like area hottie saves the world. Like that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the New York post that's headline. New York post headline yeah, that area day, so. hottie yeah, saves, saves the world. world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
as far as to say as regional hottie. Regional yeah, hottie. Regional yes. hottie yeah. This was all of Persia. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, if we can't find some excitement and inspiration in her story, it's perfect for that because, you know, she had to actually hide who she was through this whole process of becoming the new queen of Persia. But God had given her such favor, and she was in that place at the moment where the Jewish people were going to be wiped out. And she finds out about this plot through Mordecai, her faithful relative who had adopted her when she was an orphan, and she's sort of hesitant. You know, he says, you got to go to the king, but to do so could actually, you could be killed on the spot. But he says to her, you know, don't think if you don't operate here that God won't find a way to do this, but that phrase, for such a time as this, You've been brought to this place. And she had to find courage. I mean, not everybody in the Bible is courageous on, you know, day one. Um, They're flawed people. uh, They're like us. I mean, we often hesitate when God confronts us with something He's asking us to do. But Esther asked everybody to fast, and she would do the same. And she went to the king and ultimately saved all of the Jews scattered throughout Persia. So we have to think about great and small, the places that we are placed every single day for whatever season in our lives, in our homes, our workplaces, our churches, wherever we are, um, to step up in that moment that God asks of us. Yeah, it seems like there's a real connection to to daily life for everybody in that story, too. And that one of the things she was worried about was, you know, she lived a glamorous life, right? She mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. all the wealth. She had all the riches. She had the position, uh, uh, you know, of influence. And she had to risk that, not to mention her life to do the right mm-hmm. thing. And how often, are, you know, now we're challenged in those ways seemingly all the time. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about every tweet, everything that you say, every position that you take. And, yeah. and I hate that things are so divisive and that we're all so tribal, um, but people do really have to count the cost. And I think uh, for a lot of people, I mean, I even think about, um, you know, if you want to call people out with the NBA and some of the players with regard to China and knowing the ridiculous, horrific oppression that's happening there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these folks are willing to call out oppression in other communities and other places, which we all should rightfully be doing. Um, but to turn a blind eye on what is happening there is absolutely devastating. And I think people are counting the cost in the wrong direction in cases like that. I think it'd be, I, I think of the Esther story all the time. Uh, when when you think about the number of people that could stand up but are afraid. And a lot of times it's because they don't truly have faith in God. It's tough and scary when you do have faith in God. But mm-hmm. when you are when when you feel as though I can make a difference here and you understand you were put there at this time for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really believe that God is active in the affairs of man, no matter what happens, it is going to put you right where you're supposed to be for his purposes. And we have to stop thinking about our purposes now because we've screwed it up. Everything's screwed up. We have to start thinking of his purpose. What do you want me to do? And I think there are, I think, and I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I have talked yeah, to I mean, so uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say. I think it requires us to be really humble because does. all of us do uh, script out our lives and things that we want to do, a home we want to buy, or vacation we want to take, or you know, a retirement plan, or or something. I mean, and those aren't bad things. But ultimately, I constantly have to pull myself back to this reset. Like it's not about me. It really is about those good works that Scripture tells us have been appointed for us before we yeah. ever got here. Yeah. And, um, you know, everything that we—the world is so tempting, and I'm preaching to myself. I mean, social media and the accolades of men, I mean, those are all so tempting and draw us away and distract us. But at the end of the day, when we can reset and say, 
all right, why did God put me on this earth? What is he asking of me right now? Am I going to be humble enough uh, to say, okay, I give up what I want to do what you want, but eternally that's the only thing that matters. And And along the way, I mean, I really, the people that I've been hanging out with, I am shocked at the number of people whose story comes to me either firsthand or secondhand the, of people that are having dreams and promptings and being told to stand in certain places or do something that they may not even understand and they're doing it. Um, that takes an enormous amount of faith mm-hmm. just to to listen. I think the Lord is communicating unlike he ever has to people in my lifetime. Have you felt that at all? Yeah, I, I think that is so true. And, you know, you, you think through um, things that don't make sense. I, I think about one of the women I wrote in the first book about Deborah when, you know, they were up against the Canaanites. So, th- listen, their lives were terrible. The Israelites were being completely oppressed. Their roadways were so dangerous they couldn't even use them. They had to, like, go through hills and valleys to get where they were going. And God tells Deborah, like, hey, it's time for you to go up against the Canaanites and wipe them out. None, none of that. They had none of the weapons, none of the horses, none of the chariots. And, um, you know, she goes to her military leader and says, hey, this is what God's asking us to do. And he freaks out, like, no way, I'm not going to do that unless you come with me. And she ends up leading them into this battle that made no sense on paper. Mm -hmm. um, And they end up routing them. And I think we're asked a lot of times to do things that don't make sense. Even sometimes if you're, I don't know if you have experiences like this, but I'm at the grocery store and I see like God's telling me like, hey, that person could use an encouraging word (laughs) to go say hi to them by the produce. And I'm like, oh, I feel super weird. I don't want to do that. But anytime I've walked away from that and not done it, I've felt um, regret uh-huh. later. I and mean, you, there's purpose in it. And the voice gets stronger the more times you obey it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, me ask, clarity. let me ask you this. With all the transgenderism and everything else, we have already erased moms. You know, moms are not important. That's not an important job. We've done so much damage to moms. I feel like, and I have several women uh, on my team that are are beating this drum every day women now are being erased do is there anything in the bible that any stories that speak to this kind of movement in our culture well you know i think about the fact that listen if you are a person of faith if you're a christian and you believe that god created all of us in his image he created men and women he set up society he ordered our days and the animals who would be here our seasons all of that kind of stuff if you believe that then you believe that he has a perfect plan for all of us and that we're all created in his image and at a time that women were not um, highly favored in society, all through the Bible, Old and New Testament, God is elevating women, their bravery, their courage, their difficult decisions. And think about in the New Testament, I mean, Jesus broke every rule. They studied with him. You weren't really supposed to sit around and study with a revered rabbi like Jesus was, or even if you just believed he was a good teacher. Um, that was not what women did. They were part of his inner circle. Mm-hmm. And he went to the outcasts, women caught in adultery, the Samaritan woman, Um, And he said to them, like, I'm here to redeem you. I'm not here to condemn you. Yes, turn from your life of sin. um, But I see amazing value in you. I love you for who you are. And I think the fact that he was constantly elevating and going to and praising and redeeming women at a time when they were not elevated in society tells us a lot about how he views us. I don't know if you've watched or are watching now um, uh, The Chosen. 
but I'm struck every time the way in that how it portrays women as being right next to uh, right next to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon Bream, the new book is "The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak: Lessons on Faith." from nine biblical families it is available today shannon bream is its author and our guest the mother and daughters of the bible speak shannon as always god bless you thank you you too thanks glenn you bet bye-bye you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program if you listen to this program You might know that I'm an expert at nothing, but kind of have enough general knowledge to get me into trouble on everything, with the exception of sports. That is a no-knowledge zone. Uh, But even I, once in a while, a story will break through, and I will see, wait a minute, hang on. You have to have a uh, a minority offensive coach? You have to hire one now. That, that you have, they have to be, including women. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how long before football has to hire people like me. You need a really uncoordinated dork that can barely <laughs> run, cannot throw, uh, and uh, trips over his own feet about every three yards. You need at least one of those people on your team. Jason Whitlock is here. He's the uh, host of Blaze TV's Fearless. Hello, Jason. How are you, Glenn? <laughs> Good. How far are we away from me being on a team? Uh, we got a little ways to go. Uh, <laughs> you don't fit the profile. Oh, uh, I, this rule is crazy, man, because I would, I'm pretty confident there is already a black assistant coach on the offensive side of the football team on every staff in the NFL and on pretty much every division one football staff in college football. I, this rule is a bit of a publicity stunt, but it's also really intended to empower women and give the, make the NFL have to start interviewing women for jobs. Do you and, think that the the Redskins, I refuse to call them any other name, the Redskins that seem to have kind of a a rebellious uh, bend to them. Do you think they could just hire hookers or strippers? <laughs> it's it's comical that you mentioned that because I was like, well, some the old the younger me years ago, if I was an NFL head coach, mm. I literally said to someone, I'd say I would just go to the whatever the best strip club is in my town <laughs> and hire some woman there to be an offensive assistant, right? Uh, executive in charge of you know the head coach's needs or whatever. Well, okay, and that's that a problem. But <laughs> 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 so wait a minute. So so this doesn't make a difference. So I've even misunderstood this story. I couldn't even no, get this you, one. You right. haven't misunderstood it in terms of. Look, the NFL is just going further and further woke, and they're trying to make, they want to run the NFL the way college campuses are run. And so 
basically <laughs> hold on just a second i just want to get my arms around that one hang on just a second because yeah. i don't think that's ever been said by any business ever we want to run our business more like a college campus <laughs> okay no question and mm-hmm. and college campuses generally speaking have just as many if not more administrators as they do professors oh that's good and so what they're talking about is hiring administrators people that can't coach football Really, and I'm not saying that to be sexist, but coaching football is not a is not really in most women's skill set. They haven't played the game, and so, but they're going to set up all these administrator jobs for women, and and say, look how inclusive and diverse we are, and look at all the progress we're making. Uh, we have female coaches, and 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 then they're also going to you know. LGBT, coaches of color that perhaps are not getting their jobs based on merit uh, will have some type of special title and role on the team. It's just mugging up the system with a lot of mid-level management people that have no real skill. Jason, it was, it was my impression that we were striving for a time in which we would not make decisions based on skin color. We seem to be reversing that trend for whatever reason. Uh, but in the NFL, they're even going to the point where they are changing the competitive balance of the league, where certain executives uh, of color get hired away, and they're giving draft picks as compensation, free draft picks to teams. I mean, this is, you're disturbing the core product here. Yeah, you, it's not a meritocracy anymore. And it's, it's, just look at the example, the Miami Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel as their head coach. His dad is black. But if you listen to what Mike McDaniel has said about himself, is he's certainly proud of his black father, not ashamed of his black heritage. But Mike McDaniel looks white and has basically lived his life as a white person, the same as Barack Obama, who's half white but looks black, has lived his life as a black person. Mike McDaniel has that, that right there's no shame about him being half black. There's no shame about his father. But the San Francisco 49ers got draft picks because he was on their staff, and now the Dolphins have hired him. But, but you know, Mike McDaniel's experience as a black person isn't what the majority of black people's experience has been. He, he looks and appears to be completely white. And so it's a foolish, foolish game that only could be come up with on a college campus where they live in theory. They don't live in reality. And so these theories that they have applied on campuses are now being forced on corporate America. And the NFL has swallowed it whole because, again, the people making the decisions and pushing this agenda – are just creating additional jobs for themselves within the NFL. The NFL will have a diversity, inclusion, and equity chief uh, and someone to oversee all of this managing of racial quotas that they're going. And, and those will be black people or women or LGBTQ. And it's no different than the all of this stuff has happened within corporate America. If you go look at the profile of Moch people running human resources department, 
They're minorities and or LGBTQ. And and they're the gatekeepers for who gets jobs in corporate America. Unbelievable. And and the NFL is is going to start setting up its gatekeepers to decide who gets jobs in the NFL and it'll be someone LGBTQ or minority. If I'm now I don't know much about sports, but if I'm not mistaken, I've only seen somebody hire somebody completely incompetent in sports and have it worked out and that is Ted Lasso. I think that's the <laughs> only time that that has happened. I'll give you another example right there at home, Glenn. Uh, and Barry Switzer was a heck of a college coach. He had no business coaching the Dallas Cowboys. He won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's Dallas Cowboys when Jerry Jones run it, ran him out. So you can get away with it for a short time if there's enough talent so surrounding you. Are we the only country doing this to our sports teams? Uh, I can't answer that question. I, 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 I can't answer it, and, I, and to some degree, I don't care. Uh, because all I care about is America. Uh, well, I know, but, but I mean, you know, if, you know, we've always led the world because we were a meritocracy. Yeah. Uh, and I just like to see if we have spread this disease everywhere. Uh, I mean, because the, the, the Western culture is so affected by America. And if we're spreading this disease, I, I mean, I feel, and I've never said this before. I feel sorry for soccer fans, and I'd like to apologize to them. Yeah, I, I would tend to think we're spreading the disease because the disease is really coming. It's from a, coming from a, a lab in at Harvard and Yale and Stanford, and you know it, it's we we had a lab leak and it's spreading all over the country. <laughs> this <laughs> this. Diversity, inclusion, and equity, you know, I love to call it DIE, D-I-E. They call it D-E-I intentionally, but it's, they're, they're, they're just out trying to kill the American spirit, the American way of life, uh, all under the pretense of, you know, empowering, uh, you know, these oppressed minorities. And, and it's offensive to me as a black man and as someone who grew up and I went to college on a football scholarship, I wouldn't be college educated about football. There's been no challenge placed in front of black men that we haven't been able to overcome and scale those heights if, if just the playing field were level. They're not trying to level the playing field anymore. They're trying to tilt the playing field, and it's offensive to me. I don't need crutches. I, I, I really don't. Uh, my dad and mom were my crutches. And they pushed me forward, and and all of, all of virtually all of my friends that I went to college with, black guys, their parents were their crutches, and I'm looking at these guys and where they're at in their mid fifties, and the American system worked for them. It, it did not oppress them. It worked for them. Has everything been perfect? No, but my friends own businesses, have high level jobs, uh, have successful marriages, raising great kids. And, and again, most of us did not come from much. My, you know, my dad didn't graduate high school. My mother was a factory worker. That's kind of the profile of most of my friends' parents. And we've all done really well. And, and these guys that all have kids and family, they're pushing their generation of kids further along than they were. I have to tell you, um, I just, you know, you made me think of something that I haven't even thought of. And you said, D-I-E 
for diversity, uh, inclusion, uh, and equity instead of DEI. And you said, you know, they spell it that way for obvious reasons. And I thought, yeah, the die thing. And, but when the way you said it, it made me think, wait a minute, that's Dei. That's Latin. That's Latin for God. That is, that is where, I mean, if you look at, if you look it up, it's, um, you know, uh, D-E-I or D-E-U-S, but Dei is, is God. Wow. And uh, I don't think that necessarily is a, a coincidence. I, I'm not saying that they did that for a reason, you know, for that reason. But I just think there are little signs everywhere that show that this these people think they're God. They just think they're God and they are worshiping Baal the God of the Old Testament, and it is uh, not the right God to be following. I'll say this. If they don't think they're God, they think they're smarter than God. Yeah. And (laughs) that's just as problematic. True. Jason Whitlock, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. Thank yep. you, Glenn. If you've not uh, watched Jason, you need to you need to watch his uh, his program. You'll find it uh, here on Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save on your subscription. We really appreciate um, your subscription to Blaze. It means the world to us, and it may be the in the end the thing that keeps our bacon out of the fire and allows us to go on. Um, we couldn't do the things without our subscribers. So thank you. If you haven't already, we th- we feel that you get a really a much greater benefit than what you pay. Um, but uh, join us now at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Uh-huh.